Welcome to the Sailing to Success podcast, the show created exclusively for entrepreneurs and small business owners looking for a safe port in the storm of fast-paced business growth. Lindsay Phillips is the founder of Smooth Sailing Online Support, a company dedicated to helping entrepreneurs and small business owners increase customer service, run their business more effectively, and increase their profits. Prepare to be inspired and learn some practical tips and strategies you can use in your business today. And now, welcome your host and captain for this 30-minute excursion, Lindsay Phillips. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Sailing to Success podcast show. I'm your host and captain, Lindsay Phillips, for this 30-minute excursion. And uh, for those of you uh, that don't know me, I am the owner of Smooth Sailing Online Support, um, helping you grow a smooth business. And what I love to do on my podcast is share practical tips. And I mean, sometimes I delve into things that aren't necessarily, you know, businessy um, because it affects our lives, right? Whether it's finances or health and wellness, um, you know, what's going on in our lives around us, it, it all factors in. So I'm really thrilled to be speaking with um, Felicia Gopal today, who is a certified financial planner. And what I love is that not only is she an author and a speaker, but she's an advocate for women to take charge of their finances. So we're going to be talking about the five D's and how you should prepare for it and how to create um, financial independence. So let me tell you a little bit more about Felicia before we start. She's the founder of Financial Control Mastery, a company that helps women build a solid foundation for their wealth building and financial independence goals. So in the past 23 years, she's helped thousands of women take control of their finances and build their wealth. She's the author of the Amazon.com best-selling book, Preparing for the Five Ds, Divorce, Disability, Downsizing, Disasters, and Death. So thank you so much for joining me, Felicia. Oh, it is my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And as I just mentioned earlier, you know, I mean, as entrepreneurs, our lives are more than just, you know, the landing pages that we're creating and our clients. I mean, there's our health and wellness and our family and, and finances is such a huge part of it, right? It is. And it's a part that for whatever reason, some women neglect. Oh my God, that's so true. And I don't know, I think, is it denial? Like, why do we avoid our finances? I don't know that it's necessarily denial, but I would say that it is probably something along the lines of lack of confidence. We just don't feel confident that we're making the right financial decisions for ourselves. That's a good point. And, and it's, it can be really overwhelming, right? I mean, sure, you know, you, you, you may understand your cash flow and your bank account, but I mean, there's like investments and there's funds and there's, you know, estate planning and RSP. There's so much and it can be really overwhelming, but it's like to me, and I, I'm sure you agree as well. You know, we go to the doctor when we're sick or we need medical advice. Why don't we reach out for more help when it comes to finances? You know, I talked to a woman the other day, and one of the things that she says is she thinks that she can't afford it. Oh. She thinks it's going to be so expensive that she can't afford it. And she also said something that I thought was really interesting. She says, it seems to be stuff that 
like when they were passing out knowledge of personal finances, she was sick that day. So she just <laughs> didn't get it, you know? And it seems like it's something that everybody else knows, but yeah. stuff that she doesn't feel like she knows. That's a good point. I know for me, it's, it's hard to admit that you don't know, you know, finance stuff, right? It feels like we should automatically know and be savvy when, you know, reality speaks, you know, come on now. <laughs> why, why would we expect that of ourselves? It's silly. It is kind of silly because when you think about it, I mean, the women that I work with are really smart, they're talented, and they're successful. And so they have all these parts of their lives that they are smart, talented, and successful yeah. in. And then there's their finances. And this is just an area where they feel a little bit of shame and they don't feel like they have the knowledge and education that they have in other parts of their lives. And what I'm really looking to do uh, with uh, writing the book and uh, developing the course is helping women really bridge that gap yeah. so that they can get power in this particular area of, of their life, just like they have it in so many other parts of their lives. That's true. And there is a lot of shame with, um, you know, not having your finances in order or not w knowing where you're at or where you're going to be. Um, it's kind of weird when you think about it. I mean, it, it's okay to not know everything. <laughs> It is okay, but it's it's also an area that typically men have been um, have been leading in women's That's lives, true. and so it's an area that, for whatever reason, we have deferred oftentimes to our significant other, our partners, yeah. or to the financial advisors that we're working with, as opposed to taking control and learning this on their own. Now, I'm, of course, not saying this is true for all women. Right. There is certainly a segment of women um, that have really deferred this conversation off. That is so true. Now, what do you consider financial independence? Because it's kind of a broad term. It is kind of a broad term. And when I think about financial independence, it's having the resources that you need that are generating um, your income beyond your basic expenses. So let's put it this way. Sure. So, Lindsay, your basic experiences are, call it $2,000 a month. Okay. okay. So it, in the United States, we have um, Social Security. You may get the, the money that you need for um, the $2,000 you need or pretty close to the $2,000 you need from working and getting Social Security benefits. So what a financial independence is, is the money on top of Social Security above the $2,000 right. uh, that is coming into you that provides you with um, financial independence. And what financial independence means is being able to have a little bit more freedom in your life. Mm -hmm. It's being able to perhaps retire early or stop working early, or it's about perhaps quitting a job that you don't like. Mm -hmm. It's traveling the world. I mean, we all have these great ideas of what we're going to do beyond um, work, our working career. And financial independence gives you the resources that you need in order to make that true. So would you say being debt-free is a big element of being financially independent or would you, is there a crossover? Would you not mutually say one is the other? Do you know what I mean? So I do know what you mean. And oftentimes a element of financial freedom is being debt-free. Okay. So it's not, it's not the be-all and end-all, but 
obviously it's ideal. <laughs> well, because one of the things that happen is, is with, um, think about it, when there is something very comforting about having your house paid off when you're in retirement. Yeah. So you know that no matter what, you'll be able to stay in your house, right? Yeah. And for women, that is especially true because we often will outlive our partners. So we'll be in that house by ourselves. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So because we're in that house um, by ourselves, we want to make sure that nobody can take it away from us. And that's really financial independence. Okay. It gives you that peace of mind. About, about your future and knowing that you can do what you want to, what you plan to, what you hope to do after you stop working um, because you have the resources to take care of it. So what should our, I don't know if I'm going out of order here, but what should our goals be with financial independence? Like to me, it's like, okay, I should be financially independent when I'm, you know, 55, you know, they all freedom 55 that you hear on TV. Is it, should I be financially independent when I'm 65? Like, are there specific standards? The short answer is no. Um, And remember that everybody's idea of financial independence is very different. That's true. So there's a whole group of young people out there who are in their 30s, early 40s, who are in this... in this category called FIRE, financially independent, retire early. So at at 40-ish, they're able to no longer work unless they choose to. That's crazy. However, the people that I work with have been working through all the time. (laughs) They've been educating their kids. They've been doing all that sort of stuff. And so they haven't necessarily put aside the resources to retire um, retire in their 40s. So for them, it's about setting what's the goal, let's look at what do you need, okay. and then let's take a look at what you already have accomplished and what we can get done in the next 10 years, 20 years that you have until you stop working. And that for us will help determine what our, when we can be financially free. So everyone's goals are customized or everyone's version of financial independence is different. Yes, because I want to travel. You may not want to travel. Right. I may want to stop working when I'm, um, you know, I may want to stop working. I may never want to stop working, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Some days, days, you know, however, like yesterday, yesterday I wanted to stop working. (laughs) Today I I worked up with a little bit more vim and vigor. (laughs) And today I'm looking, you know, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll retire in my sixties or something. (laughs) So it really can depend on uh, what you want your you want it to look like. And remember, there's also different stages of it. So the first stage might be to have a fully paid off house, and that might be financially independent for you. For I want a, fu- a fully paid off house, and I want to be able to travel. That might be another level of it. I want to. Uh, I also want to leave a legacy to my grandchildren, and that might be another level level of financial freedom so it's really not about uh, a set point it's really about whatever your goals are and your goals can change you know like I uh, have a girlfriend who just had a grandbaby all of a sudden 
everything is related to this grandbaby and she's planning, you know, not only do I want to, you know, teach this kid whatever I want to teach this kid, but now I also want to perhaps educate this kid. Right. And now, you know, so things can change that over time. Makes sense. So let's move um, towards your book. So what, explain to everyone what those five D's are. They're divorce, yeah. disease, downsizing, disaster, and death. And that seems a little bit, um, I've been told, <laughs> it seems a little depressing. <laughs> and, and certainly it's not intended to be depressing, but I want you to think about it instead of preparedness, I want you to think about readiness. Readiness is very different from preparedness. Oh. So readiness is the state of being fully prepared for something. Not necessarily that it's going to happen or you want it to happen, but you are ready for it if it happens. Because the reality is bad things do happen to good people. Yeah. And as a woman uh, of a certain age, I've lived long enough to have either been through situations or seen my friends, my girlfriends, my mother have gone, through, my mother's been through a divorce, my husband's been downsized. I had a heart valve uh, that wouldn't close. And so I had uh, the, you know, I, I was concerned about whether or not I was going to be around to raise my kids. So we've all lived long enough, or many of us have lived long enough to have seen these things happen and while as I said we don't want them to happen to us wouldn't no. it be powerful to be in a position where if it was to happen to you you were ready and prepared and you could take it off yeah and and there's so many people that don't even have wills or I mean yeah there are these instances like death where you know it can financially cripple you or especially with divorce um, and downsizing. And so I'm assuming your books then, uh, within the five D's explain how you can prepare yourself for these things. Yeah, actually it is. I basically talk about a couple of different things. First and foremost, it's start. You know, I think oftentimes we wait for the perfect time to start. Yeah. And the reality is there is no perfect time to start. Totally. There is no perfect time to start. So start where you are. So, and to not beat yourself up. You know, so when I tell the story of when I first started saving, I saved $5 a month. Now, most people, when they hear that I started with $5 a month, I'll tell you what my friends said. My friends were like, why bother? Right. Why bother? $5 a month, what is that going to do for you? And the thing about the $5 for me is it was my stake in the stand. This yeah. was my commitment to myself that I was going to put away $5 a month every single month for, on, for myself. And it was just me taking control of, of, of my finances. And at the time, you know, all I can afford consistently that I knew yeah. I'd be able to do was $5. And so I tell women, start where you are. Do not measure yourself against those uh, 20-somethings who were in the fire generation. <laughs> Hiring in 30 and 40 they that that's their life that's not your life and there's nothing wrong with starting where you are and the key thing i think too is um you know whether it's five dollars or whatever it is per month you're creating a habit right you're creating action every month and then you know maybe a year from now you can make that ten dollars but the point is you're consistently taking that action and it's becoming a habit which is a good habit and then exactly like start now and then you can change it and add to it later 
Yes, absolutely. And that's exactly what I talk about. I talk about, let's get started. If you are at, you know, you're saving 1% of your income, let's raise it to three. If you were starting at 5%, let's raise it to 10. I mean, you just make the habit to not only start, but to consistently add to it. And I think that that's really the key to getting started and being um, financially ready for whatever life can throw at you. That's true. And then just having that like contingency fund, so to speak, in, in your bank account. Now, let's kind of talk about some of the, the fives. And then obviously, we're not gonna be able to, you know, go through all the tips, but I would love to share at least one tip for each of the five, if, if that's doable. Um, so I know one is divorce. What advice would you give someone? Like, how do you prepare for divorce? Financially. <laughs> Financially. Financially is a whole different issue. <laughs> yeah, that, that is a different issue. So I would say first and foremost, know what's going on with your finances. Mm-hmm. So if your spouse is the person who is in control of or is the person who is um like paying the bills and paying all, all the bills. You've got to know that. You've got to know how much you've got in bills. You've got to know um, where the assets is. You've got to know that you're the beneficiary on his life insurance. Right. You've got to know all of that sort of stuff so that if you got divorced, you would be able to um, first and foremost, know how much you're due. But the other piece of that is to just know. Uh, there's a little bit, there's a lot of comfort in knowing what's so about your finances. Well, it's knowing your rights too in, in the, you know, because it affects your children. If you have children in the scenario, like it affects your children. It affects your, you know, well-being on a day-to-day basis. And yeah, the more knowledge you walk into that with, the better, I can only assume. Yes, that's definitely very true. Perfect. Now, what about disaster? What kind of disaster? You mean like floods and your house burns down, like that kind of thing? Well, certainly there's those t- those sorts of disasters. You know, I happen to live in California at the time there was uh, there was the uh, Loma Prieta. Uh, earthquake mm-hmm. you know um i was also there when they had the oakland fires and i was also there I, and, and then I, I was in new york when the when the towers fell down so you know oh so God. disasters are something that i think about um last year at christmas right before christmas time a house around the corner for me um had a fire so i think to myself oftentimes people don't expect a fire but you can be prepared and preparation in the area of disasters is often just about having the right insurances in place and knowing uh, again your rights under those insurance policies and even insurance can be confusing right all the different policies and the ins and outs and it it I just went through life insurance and we changed our policy and um, oh, my head exploded by the end of it. <laughs> I've got it in place. I'm all good. <laughs> good. Um, now, so moving on to life insurance, I'm assuming that's one of the, the things that you talk about um, when preparing for an instance of death. Well, I think to myself, and it really kind of goes back to what we were just talking about. Um, one of the stories that has happened in my practice is there's a woman who was married to a man who um it was her first marriage his second but he hadn't changed beneficiaries on his life insurance policy oh my goodness and so when he died unexpectedly early the proceeds went to the first wife 
Boo. Yeah. <laughs> that went down well. <laughs> yeah. So I was talking to her and then I was just like, well, who is this? And she was like, oh, this is, that's his ex-wife. And I was just like, well, that's who's on his policy. I can only talk to her. And of course, first wife was not happy to be a first wife uh, <laughs> because second yeah. wife replaced. Uh, so she kept all the money. She felt that was her due. Oh, uh, because uh, because she had been yeah. replaced. So, I mean, you know, that's kind of a crazy example. But, I mean, the other side of it is, of course, you know, somebody who was expected to live a long time that you thought you were going to go into your your um, non-working years with is no longer around. So mm -hmm. their income is no longer around. And right. this can be both uh, financially devastating as well as mentally devastating. And I think it's really important that you, um, you know, my, my area of expertise is the financial, is to keep you from, let you be okay if something were to happen to your significant other. Perfect. And downsizing is not one that I would have thought would have been in those five Ds. Because um, you think, okay, downsizing you're just going to save money because you're, you know, you're moving to a smaller house, you're getting rid of your stuff. I mean, how, how, how should one prepare for actually have my in-laws right now that are downsizing? Um, so what wisdom do you have for, for that age bracket? So I think um, I'm using the word downsizing a little bit differently than you are. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm actually thinking about it in terms of a job layoff. And so a job layoff oh. is when um, you're getting downsized. And so right, right. The, the big preparation there is to kind of know if you can, that it's coming, and then be able to make the adjustments as quickly as possible, saying that you're going to be okay. So when my husband was downsized from his company, I think it took him about seven months to get um, get a new job. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It, yeah, but if we if uh, if he didn't have the really generous policy that his company had, it could have been really devastating because what happens oftentimes is people don't think it's going to take as long to I get know, always eh? and they also think that they're going to be making as much money as they used to be making which True. may or may not be the case so if you are downsized and you're still spending like you're making you know significantly more than you're right. bringing in that could be financially devastating and for a man in particular you know there's a lot of their self-worth is tied to them working you know and so you also as a woman will may have to deal with with how he feels about himself um when he gets downsized out of a job that he 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 enjoyed going to every day yeah, I actually experienced that myself um, right when my daughter was born. That was great timing. Oh, yeah. It all, and <laughs> that's like, oh, my God. <laughs> well, I think that that's the interesting thing, Lindsay, is the fact that it always happens at the most inconvenient time. It always happens at the most inconvenient time. Uh, a friend of mine just got uh, downsized out of his position, and one of the things is he saw some things that were happening in his in his employment that made him think that hmm, maybe my job isn't as safe as it could be. Right. So he started to, he just started banking money and putting it aside. And that's something that a, a woman could do is just being financially ready for those sorts of periods so that maybe you still have to make some adjustments in your lifestyle, but not 
go from, you know, really nice lifestyle to, you know, a very um, frugal lifestyle because you haven't made those adjustments and you don't have the reserves that you need in order to take you through. And I guess you really have to be in grips or whatever, like understand what your expenses are and, and what can you cut out if you need to and what are crucial and... Yeah, I mean, as I said, we were talking at the first about the fact that some women have no idea about this stuff. Yeah. So um, it's really hard for you to make the adjustments if you don't really know how much adjustment you need to make. You didn't have any idea of it. It really costs, you think it's cost you about $3,000 to run your lifestyle, but no, it's really costing you about five. There's a big difference between those two numbers. And yeah, I just um, was, <laughs> well, I, I'm assuming the same holds true for business owners, really. I just went through my bank accounts and getting all my stuff ready for my taxes. And um, like, I've got monthly bills, you know, Dropbox, Basecamp, whatever they are. <laughs> and then you think, okay, it's just $10 here, $11 at whatever it may be. And then of course, for me, converted to Canadian. And then when I was itemizing it, I'm like, wow, there's really more than I thought there was. I'm like, dang, <laughs> you know, which one I can't cut any of them out because they're, they are crucial, but just being aware that, you know, what your true monthly costs are. Well, the other side of it is, is, you know, I took a look at the beginning part of the year at my business expenses and I realized there was stuff that I was just paying for that I really wasn't using. Yeah. So that does I, happen too. When I looked at that, um, Lindsay, it was $500 a month. Wow. And then, yeah, just taking that time to review it saved you $500 a month. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. I know. Ignorance is not bliss. No, not in this area. That is true. Now, how do you um, look at disability? Is that, like, if you don't have disability insurance, something goes wrong, you're sick, you're injured, that kind of thing? <laughs> Absolutely, because one of the things is, and I remember when I first got uh, married, this was a conversation for my husband because he thought of that as an expense, right? He thought, oh, I don't want, you know, I, and I should be fine. And I was just like, honey, what's your biggest asset? And he was just like, well, you know, our house. And I was like, no, it's your ability to make your wages so that we can pay for the house and for the kids' education and the, the, the yeah. So, we need to protect that, sweetie. So once he kind of got on board with that, we were fine. And again, disability insurance is often, um, disability can often be handled inside of that. But the other thing is, haven't you ever had a day where, you know, I've been working, uh, I've been working out trying to get healthier. Mm -hmm. And so uh, go to the gym. And then the next day, my I did something and my back is just yep. <laughs> you know? and it's just like all of a sudden you know I mean it didn't happen at work it didn't whatever but uh, as a business owner one of the things that I have to be concerned about and, and think about is sometimes other things that I do impact my ability to work and I think that that's an important ingredient and uh, oftentimes it can be a lot more expensive to run your household than you really think it is. That is true. Um, now, what what is the importance of of being prepared? Like in all these items, if if you really get that in order, um, how is that going to help you in the long run? Well, I just think that if you are 
ready for these events. They don't have to be devastating events. They could just be things that happen in your life. Right. You know, because if you keep living, things are going to happen in your life. But there could be stuff that could take you out. And any of the anything in these areas, these are the five areas that I see um, that most often can really disrupt a woman's finances. Now, is this book geared to, I should have asked you this at the beginning, is this book geared towards women or for anyone? Well, the book was really written for women um, because my practice is really for women. But the thing that I have heard from other people that have read it, um, the men that I've heard read it, is this is this is good advice for everybody. Yeah, I can yeah, see that. It's really just good advice for everybody. It's important that you understand which, where your finances is. It's important that you have some sort of plan and strategy to shore up any gaps between where you should be and where you are, and then have a plan to uh, move you forward into uh, the category of what you need. Because ultimately, we all want to get to financial independence. And until the stuff is taken care of, you really aren't financially independent. No, and, and also just preventing being financially crippled. I mean, that's yeah. a scary thought. I mean, because as I said, the women that I work with are in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. So we don't have a whole lot of time to recover, you know? And so if any of these things were to happen right before retirement, uh, which is oftentimes, in my case, going to be the same time I'm paying for college. Uh, so Ooh. I'm paying for college and I'm thinking about retirement and um, go through um, some particular illness in my life. Those would be really a a triple whammy at the same time. And I'm not sure uh, if I wasn't ready that I could uh, weather that without going into my re my retirement age and being a bag lady, which of course none of us want. <laughs> no, no, we don't. Um, and just switching the topic slightly, um, how do you teach your children? I know you've got children. Um, and I have mine are seven and 11. How do you teach children about preparing for these things? Like, cause they're not going to understand a lot of these concepts, but to me, it's like the school boards or whatever, like we need to educate our children earlier in life. Well, I often will say to my kids, if you take care of your money, your money will take care of you. Ooh, so I, like I, um, I, I, from a very young age, and it didn't go down well, uh, I made my children pay for stuff um, with their own money mm -hmm. so that they could actually have the experience of, of letting it go. Yeah. And so me and my uh, oldest daughter are laugh uh, nowadays, but she went through a stage where she had to have Barbies. So it wasn't that she didn't have Barbies, but she always felt that she needed more. And so now we're looking at the fruits of that. So her and her sister have about as same amount of money, even though she's three years older than her in their bank accounts. And so I, I was telling her that was a lot of Barbies, wasn't it? <laughs> and, you know, and she was just like, wow, mommy, I didn't realize the impact of my Barbie buying. Um, so, you know, I mean, it, it, you have to kind of put it into uh, terms that they understand. Uh, right now, I'm actually working with my girls to um, help them 
uh, learn some bit like run a business, you know, and so just kind of teaching them. It's just like, well, if you buy this, you have to, you have to pay this, you have to do this and you have to do this and just kind of um, making it so that this concept that for many women is, uh, incomprehensible, something that is part of their daily lives. Yeah. They've grown up talking about money. They've grown up understanding money. They've, they've had to buy things with their own money. Um, and I, it's not because I can't afford it. It's just that I want them to see the value of having to part with their own money for their decisions. And we talk about the fact that my husband used to be uh, the king of the dollar store. And so uh, he would take the girls and they used to love shopping with him because he would buy them something at the dollar store every single time. And I made the comment that, yes, but think about how long that lasts. Whatever you bought at the dollar store yeah. fell apart immediately. However, if it was something that you bought at the regular store that wasn't a dollar, you still got it around a week, two weeks, five, yeah, no doubt five years later. God, kids in the dollar stores. Yes. Um, I actually made my kids save up to buy their own tablets. Mm. And they, so they saved their like Christmas money and their allowance. And then, yep, they forked. I mean, we chipped in a little bit extra, yeah. but like they saved up and they forked it out. <laughs> And what I find is they take better care of it because they've done Very that. much so. It's um, their money. I know. And the other thing which I found interesting is Emily had a gift card for Old Navy. So mm -hmm. we went shopping, but to see her like make choices based on how much money she had. So she didn't buy this, you know, yoga pants. That was $25. You know, was that more important than getting two cute t-shirts that were $10 each? Do you know what I mean? Like making those choices and what was on sale and what wasn't because that's real life. So right. it was interesting to see how she made the choices herself and, yeah, it was kind of neat. And she was like six, I think, at the time, but mm -hmm. stuff like that. But yeah, if, if you have any other tips on how to teach your children how to handle money, I think that's great. You know, I think the biggest tip is to not, to discuss money in front of your children. Mm. You know, and let them, uh, a girlfriend of mine has been suggesting, though I haven't followed up on it, um, that she... Like when she's paying the bills, she has her daughter right there alongside of her. So her daughter can see how much it costs for gas and electric oh, yeah. and, and all that sort of stuff. And then write the, write the checks. Uh, the reason I can't do that is because, you know, I'm in, I'm in the digital age. I pay everything. At yeah, exactly. You're not hitting those buttons on the computer to pay yeah, stuff. Forget no, it. <laughs> yeah. So I was just like, so it's much harder. It, it's, it's harder to teach that lesson, but I, I like the concept of having my kids understand money because when I grew up, and I don't know if your parents were the same, but when I grew up, my parents didn't like to talk about money. No. And I think yeah. that is something that we really do our kids a disservice because I remember at some point, and your, your kids have probably been through this, my daughter was just like, I, would, I said something like, I can't afford that. And she was just like, just go to the ATM. Yeah, totally. I'm like, it so does not work that way. I was like, no, I have to put money into the account so that I could take it out so that I could buy that. And I'm choosing not to do that because I have some other things that I need to take care of. And so, you know, my, uh, my youngest daughter in particular will ask, well, what do you got to do other than pay, pay for whatever it is that I want to do? And so I would nice. have a conversation 
conversation with her about that. I think it's a little disconcerting to have a phone, uh, have those kinds of phone uh, conversations with a uh, six-year-old, but um, you know, she's not. She she has learned that lesson well, and it serves her well now. Yeah, no, that's a great tip. I wouldn't have thought of that because it's like. I mean, they have asked every now and then, you know, how much does it cost for this? And then, mm -hmm. you know, you say, and they're like, oh my God. Um, but the thing they burned me on recently, Felicia, was um, there was an ad for something on TV. And of course, I'm like, like, good luck getting that from Santa. Like, that's expensive, right? Mm -hmm. And they're like, but you don't have to buy it. Santa brings it. And I'm like, <laughs> you're so right. I can't argue with that. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Kid <laughs> oh, uh, <understand>. logic. <laughs> well, I love that you're helping women with finances because it is so important. And if you have control over your finances, it's so empowering, right? It is so empowering. You know, I think that that's ultimately why women want to have financial independence mm. is to um, take that power back yeah. and really be able to do in their lives and for their lives what they want to, as opposed to what they feel like they have to do. Totally. I think that that's one of the key distinctions and one of the reasons why uh, the women that I work with are work so hard for their own financial independence. Awesome. So how can people get this book, uh, Felicia? So the easiest way to get the book is to go to www.financialcontrolmastery mm, okay. forward slash book. And that will take you to my Amazon page and you could buy the book right there. Perfect. And now do you offer like courses or how can people work with you to help them with their finances? Well, it's actually, thanks for asking that question. It's actually the ideal time. I'm about to launch a course starting January 9th uh, called your Financial Earthquake Readiness Course. Oh, okay. Because, you know, when these sorts of the 5Ds happen in a, a woman's life, it often occurs like a, an earthquake, you know, something overwhelming, devastating. Um, and if you can get ready for that, as I said in the beginning, that is a better situation than oh, yeah. just letting it happen to you. So if you are interested in the financial, uh, in that course, go to www.financialcontrolmastery.com forward slash um, earthquake and that will take you to that that uh, my the the sign up page for that I will tell you that I'm still developing um, the sales page so it's yeah, really no just leading you to a page that's got a link to pay for it but I will also be over the next coming uh, weeks uh, putting out some more material that support that so uh, if you're interested in the course uh, financial control mastery forward slash earthquake perfect and we'll have that link up on the show notes as well so thank you so much for those tips. I know it, you know, for me, food for thought, I'm being prepared for things. And, and like you said, you know, what are you waiting for? Start now and, and get ready now because you never know when those things are going to come up. And it doesn't mean that if you are getting ready for them, or, yeah, if you're getting ready for them, that they're going to happen. Yeah. I think sometimes people hold that hold life insurance like that. I don't want to buy life insurance because that means I'm going to die. Uh, but... <laughs> If you if you're preparing for the five Ds, the chances of all five of them happening in your yeah. life in the next day or so is is pretty remote. But it, there is power 
and there is comfort in knowing what's so about your finances. God, yeah. There's power and, um, and comfort and having a plan to address them so that you're not a victim. And that peace of mind so you can sleep at night. Absolutely. Perfect. Well, thank you again, Felicia. I really appreciate your time. And um, yeah, I was excited about your book launch. So it was great that we had a chat about it. Well, thank you very much for having me. And uh, I really do appreciate the, the opportunity to share. Perfect. So that is it today, folks, for this episode of Sailing to Success podcast show. You can find this and my other episodes at lindsayphillips.com and along with my videos and blogs. And of course, you can find out more about what I do with Smooth Sailing Online Support at ssonlinesupport.com. So have a profitable and productive week, folks, and may the winds always be at your back. You've been listening to the Sailing to Success podcast, the show created exclusively for entrepreneurs and small business owners looking for a safe port in the storm of fast-paced business growth. To make sure you don't miss a single profit-boosting show, subscribe to this podcast at iTunes and www.sailingtosuccesspodcast.com. To learn more about how Lindsay and her team can help you increase customer service, run your business more effectively, and increase your profits, go to www.ssonlinesupport.com. That's www.ssonlinesupport.com. Now go and implement what you've learned and come back next week for more Sailing to Success podcasts.